Hello, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Okay, so I have a little bit of a cough. Is it COVID? No. Okay. It's because California is still on fire. A lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. And it's blown into Bakersfield and it's just sitting there. And I feel like my throat is on fire. And I'm such a sissy nana. And I know there are people out there risking their lives to put out these fire. And they probably feel a hundred times more miserable than I do. But this sucks. Yeah, it's pretty smoky. Oh, it's, it's nasty. Awful. Just yeah. awful. Keep California in your prayers. There's a lot of reasons to be praying right now, people. A lot of reasons. And if you could just add California to that, that would be great. (laughs) Yep. Please do. (laughs) Yes. I guess we'll jump into some business. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've had a couple people that have, um, I think it's called DMing or private messaging or something like that on Instagram. And you guys are like, hey, can you shout out my name? I really like the podcast and you've been so complimentary, but you're sending it to a private message so nobody else gets to see that. (laughs) So the whole point is for other people to see that and for us to gain new listeners and new followers and get a little bit of traction going. So if you could say all of those really great things in... In more of a public setting. Yes, in more of a public setting and go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. That would be awesome. Or on Instagram, tag us. I don't know, whatever you young folk do. People like other people's opinions. That's how we. That's how everything is driven these days. They do. And that's how I've found all the amazing true crime podcasts that I listen to on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's do a shout out to one of our 11 listeners. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, this is to Caitlin, who gave us five stars. Thanks, Caitlin. Yes, thank you, Caitlin. And she says, I really have been enjoying this podcast. Melissa does an amazing job of narrating each story, as well as adding details to give you a vision of what is happening throughout the episode. Daniel's commentary is awesome. I found myself laughing out loud throughout the episodes from his comments. Uh-oh. I recommend this podcast to everyone. Incredible job, Melissa and Daniel. You guys rock. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Caitlin. That was very, very sweet. And I'm glad we can entertain you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, baby. You got some factoids? I do. And this factoid... I'm going to credit one of my expert panels. So our last episode, we discussed a potential trend about people being happier that they sleep in separate rooms. Not because they're mad at each other. They just say they sleep better and they're claiming their marriage is better. So I started texting, you know, people asking their opinions and what, how they sleep anyway. And so one of my uh, expert panel said, you know, the question you really need to ask is do you wear pajamas or sleep commando? <laughs> oh, so, so of course I said, okay, wow, well, how do you sleep? And he said, always commando. Oh, wow. Meaning, for those of you that don't know, commando means you're sleeping naked. <laughs> so I thought that was a fascinating point. Yeah. So I started doing quick research on it. And the research is hilarious and fascinating. And basically, especially being married, we should be sleeping naked for a variety of reasons. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yep. So Men's Journal, they did a like a quick write up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, here we go. Five benefits of sleeping naked. There's five benefits? Well, there's a lot. This was theirs. Uh So I'm crediting Men's Journal. Um, They said, per the U.S. National Sleep Foundation did a study, one in three adults already sleep in the nude. One in three? Yep. All right. Keeping it cold in the bedroom is key to heating things up. So they're saying (laughs) that basically the less clothes you have on, the cooler you are. And, and, you know, that helps. And the more likely you are to do adult aerobics? Well, it could. Oh, okay. That's what I thought you were getting at. 
It is. So oh. number one is to protect your sperm. So that's important. Oh. Now this is for men. Well, when you're young, yeah. Yeah, but now we don't care. Um, number yeah. two, boost your love life. Okay. Because you're already naked and you're already close to each other. Um, number three was better sleep quality. In order to fall asleep and stay asleep, your core body temperature needs to drop about a half a degree. And then you stay in that cycle, that deep sleep cycle. Um, the advantage to sleeping naked is it's easier for our bodies to cool down quicker. And if you get cold, you just cuddle up to your partner next to you. And then when you start to get warm, you retreat away. So you have this constant source. Oh, so you're constantly touching. Yep. Which a lot of people's love language is physical touch. Yep. Okay, I get it. Um, you burn more calories. Sleeping naked? Correct. <clears throat> because you're cooler. If it's not cooler. more than 1,200, then I'm not going to do it. So you're cooler <laughs> and it helps your body to build brown fat. Have you ever heard of brown fat versus white fat? No. It's not racial. It's it's actually, there's different kinds of fat in our bodies. And as we get older, it's more white fat, which is bad. Oh, when you're okay. really young, you have more brown fat. And the brown fat is the fat that actually creates heat and helps burn calories to keep your body warm. Okay, but why am I so, why am I so hot all the time? And it can't just be because I'm premenopausal. Like, I'm hot all the time. Maybe you have a lot of brown fat and it's cooking. Isn't that good, though? Yeah. So you got to let yourself cool off. So they did a U.S. study in the Journal of Diabetes found they did a sleep study. And uh, basically, they, they studied them for four months. And they found out that if they sleep cooler, they burn more calories, they're healthier, they're diabetes, you know, they're basically just much healthier. Okay. So the point of all that is you should sleep cooler. And basically, sleeping naked helps your body drop temperature faster. And then for women, they said it's it's actually more important for women to sleep naked than men. Why? Because of your nether regions <laughs> need to be uncovered. <laughs> and they need to breathe. <laughs> yep, exactly. Let them breathe. Let it breathe. So it says that's part of number five, lowers your blood pressure. Oh, um, yeah. Lying in bed naked with your partner is found to generate a boost in oxytocin. Which okay. is the love hormone. Mm -hmm. And it's shown to have many health benefits. Skin-to-skin um, -skin contact sends impulses to the brain, triggering the release of oxytocin, which has a protective effect on the heart. It lowers blood pressure, it raises your immune system, and it lowers anxiety. Okay. Um, sleeping cold also slows down the aging process. All right, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> The production of melatonin, which is what happens when it's cold, uh, sleeping naked encourages your body to release more of this hormone, and it's more likely to cause you to look and feel younger. All right. I'm sold. So of my panel, basically the people that have been married longer either already do or want to sleep naked, but otherwise the rest boxers you know for guys and women wear whatever they wear but i think it also depends on the age of your children because if you have little kids you have to keep your door open or at least unlocked true and then you are getting up in the middle of the night and you're just walking around scaring your kids with your naked butt i think it you just do what you can okay so this would be preferred but it doesn't always work out that way okay so i have to read <laughs> One of my experts on my panel. Okay. This was hilarious. So this was his response to me. He said, when we were talking about this, he said, so I just found something out last week. She likes the bed made every day. Mm -hmm. I think it's stupid, but I started making it because I'm usually still in it when she leaves for work. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. It is. Every day, there are pants and a shirt on top of the folded down comforter that I have to move to make the bed. I finally said, why do you put these here when you know they have to be moved when the bed is made? She says, it's her getting up in the middle of the night emergency clothes. Oh, smart. She puts them there each night before she climbs in bed. All of these years, and he had no idea. 
Oh, that's that's cute. And that's cute. yes, they sleep naked. So there you go. Or you could just have a robe. Sure. Something. I'm just lazy. I'm way lazier than that. Like putting on pants and a shirt. That seems hard. A robe. Eh, not so hard. Yeah, you could do a robe. I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on the whole sleeping naked thing. I'm just afraid our children are going to walk in. Or so you lock the door. Or something crazy is going to happen in, in the middle of the night. I'm going to go running out without clothes on. Like nobody wants to see that. Versus getting a great night's sleep, being healthier, feeling better, having a better love life. I don't know if I'd sleep better in the nude. How would you know? Sounds good to me. Okay. But I get if you have kids, it's probably easier once you're retired. Probably. And then you don't have little kids running around. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you lock the door. You have an extra change of clothes. I have heard that for married couples, they need to lock their doors for a variety of reasons, but mostly for the the love life and making sure that no one walks in on you. Like a murderer. Well, yeah, but I don't think a flimsy little door is going to do anything. Mostly for your kids. Because they don't want to see that. No. Especially in the dark and you feel a hand on you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Cupping something. Oh, God. Why'd you have to go there? (laughs) Because I always do. All right. Well, you know, we're almost 40. Well, you're 42. I'm almost 42. Might as well start giving crazy things a shot. I don't think it's that crazy. See, in my mind, it's a, it's a little crazy. But you know what? For you, and because we've entered our 15th year of marriage, I'm on board. Let's do it. It's worth a shot. I don't know. It might be horrible. You know what? I don't sleep very good anyways. So if anything is going to get me to sleep, I'll do it. That's what it said. It was yep. overwhelming. You know, when I was reading all the studies, it was overwhelming benefits, especially for women. And if we could save $500 every six months with, I don't need to go get Botox just from sleeping naked, I'll do it. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did say (laughs) is that you start to actually like your body because a lot of people cover themselves up going to bed because they don't like themselves. So you actually start getting used to your own skin Hmm. and your partner, especially, I mean, we're 42, so it's not like we already like you the way you are. True. I'm not going to turn you in for a newer model. Right. Yeah. And vice versa. Can you say that out loud, please? I just I did. on tape. You said vice versa. Oh, so I would not turn you in for a newer model. Oh, thank you. Or I should say a younger model, right? <laughs> a younger model. <laughs> yes. That was very good. All right. That was good. That was very yep. educational. And I credit that to my expert panel response person. And you know what? We're changing lives with these factoids, and maybe you just changed my life. Hopefully. I like it. So, folks, you know what? Take your clothes off before you get into bed (laughs) and just go for it. Just do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Yep. Thanks, honey. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm here for. Daniel, you ready for my case? I was born ready. You sure were. No, I wasn't, but go ahead. Okay, so this case is something different. Aren't they all? They are, but this is a little something different. Cool. This is the case of Mary Elizabeth Wilson, the Mary Widow of Windy Nook. That sounds interesting. Sounds like a poem. It it does, or like the title of a book. Yes. And there is not a book on this case. Did that make sense when I just said that? There is not. Yeah, there's no book that was written based on it. Yes, there's no book written based on this Someone case. should write a book. They should. Although, I don't know what In, it's about yet. Right. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here I go. On the morning of November 12th, 1957... A neighbor of Mrs. Mary Elizabeth Wilson was escorting Mary home after she slept over for the night. 63-year-old Mary had told her neighbor that her husband had taken ill and was at the hospital for the evening, and she did not want to be alone in their home. As Mary was unlocking the door, which opened to the kitchen, she told her neighbor to be prepared for what she was about to see. 
Mary opened the door and her neighbor immediately gasped. Lying on the kitchen table was her husband of 15 days, 76-year-old Ernest Wilson. Ernest was covered by a white sheet. After the shock wore off, Mary's neighbor finally spoke. You said Ernest had been taken to the hospital. I did, said Mary. I don't remember saying that. Oh, well. (laughs) Mary and Ernest's neighbor drew closer to his body. Ernest looked as though he was asleep, but she knew Ernest was dead. So he's he's on the kitchen table. Yes. Covered in a sheet. Yes. And they've been married for 15 days. Yes. Well, losing a husband after 15 days is tragic. Losing four husbands in less than two years is suspicious. Oh, there it is. All right. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Damn. All right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to preface this case by saying that researching older cases are a lot of fun, but it can be very confusing and at times very frustrating, especially because this is a rather small case and it took place in England. Even though I've traveled around England multiple times, figuring out where towns and villages lie can be hard. County names changed in the 1970s, and now in most parts of England, you have a ceremonial county and historic county name. What? I know. I did a ton of research, and I can't figure it out. (laughs) In many of the sources I read, the dates are off by a few years. I've been researching this case for uh, over a week. So I'm going to go with my gut, and I hope that I do this case justice and get at least 90% of the information accurate. Okay, fair enough. I know. I just didn't want people looking it up, and it has different dates, and there's different sources, and, you know. So I'm just going with my gut, people. That's all I can do. That's interesting, though, that it has two names. like that. Yes, there's a bunch of counties that have two names. Huh. Mary Elizabeth Cassidy was born in 1893 in Hebron located in the ceremonial county of Tyne and Ware and the historic county of Durham. Mary was born into service and worked for the Knowles family. As Mary grew older, she became very friendly with the son of the family, John Knowles. Their friendship grew into a relationship, which eventually turned into love. John and Mary were married in 1912. Mary was 19 and John Knowles was 33. The couple settled down in the village of Windy Nook, which was then in County Durham in the northwest region of England, south of Newcastle. The name Windy Nook derives from the lofty and exposed nature of the situation it occupies. In layman's terms, it's freaking windy there. I was going to say, that's... <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. Windy Nook became renowned for their quarries, but by the 1960s, the quarries had fallen into disuse and all of the remaining industrial areas had closed and the quarries infilled. So there's a little history on Windy Nook. I thought it was due to all the quarrels. All the quarrels of the people? Yeah, the quarrels that happened in the quarries. (laughs) Yes. Okay. John and Mary went on to have six children, three boys and three girls, but only four made it past infancy. Uh-huh. Yeah. John was a chimney sweep and a laborer, and Mary stayed home with the children. A few years into their marriage, Mary's lover, John Russell, a painter, moved into the home. They lived what is now referred to as a polyamorous relationship for almost 40 years. Holy crap. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Whoa. So they have six kids. Husband's a chimney sweep, which is what I want to do when I grow up. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim true. Because she doesn't have enough to deal with the six kids. She brought in another dude. So there's three adults raising, well, four kids because right. two passed away. So it's cool. only one more Good for them. than adult. <laughs> yes. Right on. So here's the deal. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to have come to that conclusion. A few sources said that John Russell was a boarder of the Knowles for the last few years of their marriage. 
But in digging through old newspaper articles and reading eyewitness accounts, John Russell had lived with them for decades, and it was known that he and Mary had an intimate relationship. They never hid their affair from John Knowles, which means it wasn't an affair. It was a consensual, non-monogamous relationship between three adults, which is now referred to as polyamory. Huh. All right. Yeah. So they take turns with her, so to speak. Okay. I'm going to get more into it. Okay. I'm going to explain what polyamory is. All right. So I was really excited to find this case because I wanted to talk about polyamory because I find the idea fascinating. Did you have any guys in mind or? No. Oh. (laughs) Not to actually live a polyamorous life just because I'm too lazy and I can't imagine taking on more adults into this relationship too is enough. Right. Two MacArthur's is enough. And how would you get the skin-to-skin contact in bed with three people? Oh, because someone's going to have to be the middle of the You would have to be the middle. Yeah. My research on polyamory comes from Medical News Today, an article titled Beyond the Confines of Monogamous Love, written by Maria Kohut, PhD. When you got the PhD behind your name, you know what you're talking about, right? I hope so. Yeah. And of course, Wikipedia. Sure. You know, gotta love Wikipedia. So the word polyamory comes from the Greek root word poly, meaning many, and the Latin root word amor, meaning love. So it means many loves. Cool. Okay. Polyamorous relationships can take many forms. Hierarchical, which means one partner being the primary partner which is what I believe Mary, John, and John practiced. Mary was the primary partner. The next one is non-hierarchical. <laughs> it's such a... <laughs> I can't say that. Non-hierarchical. Sure. Okay. In which all partners have equal standing. Then there's solo poly, which is individuals who prefer autonomy and give all romantic partners equal standing. A consenting adult could be in separate relationships with different partners or in a relationship in which all or several partners are also romantically engaged with each other, but they are open and honest and everybody knows about one another. It is the practice of or desire for intimate and emotional relationships with more than one partner with the informed consent of all partners involved. Sex is part of the relationship, but it is not the main focus. The recurring theme in polyamory is love, intimacy, honesty, integrity, equality, communication, and commitment. It rejects the view that being exclusive is necessary for a deep, committed, and loving relationship. Hmm. Okay. Ready for some stats? Absolutely. All right. In 2016, 21% of adults in the U.S. reported participating at some point in their life being in a relationship defined as polyamory. What? Yep. Between 4% and 5% of adults living in the U.S. are currently practicing consensual non-monogamy. Okay, but does that mean they're in under the same roof? No. Oh, okay. No. Mm-hmm. Basically, they, they got multiple partners. Yes, but everybody knows about each other. Oh. Yes, and you are having an emotional and intimate relationship with these partners. Huh. So you're dating. You are in relationships with multiple people. Yeah. A 2018 study estimates that there are at least 1.44 million adults in the U.S. that fall within the category of polyamorous. Wow. I know. That was a lot more than I thought. We live a boring life. We are in a bubble of boringness. It sounds like it. There are poly communities in Europe, North and South America, Asia, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji. Like whole communities. That, that's what I gather. Well, it's like the polygamy, you know, communities scattered throughout the U.S. Yeah. And other mm-hmm. countries. Right. I just think they just know about each other in different cities and towns and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. COVID has since dwindled those numbers by a lot due to social distancing and not wanting to get sick. 
and spread it to other partners. So all those numbers have gone down significantly. Huh. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they'll spike back up once all this is over. That's interesting. Because even if you're married, you, I mean, you're not really distancing. Let's be honest. No. Most people aren't. I mean, they go, oh, I'm going to be careful. No, you're not. <laughs> so pretty much, you're, if you get it, more than likely your partner is going to get it. So who do they choose? I wonder, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but who do they choose to be separated from? I don't know. That's a good question. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't know okay, well, I'm good COVID. to stay with one guy, but I'm going to socially distance from the other guy. That's a very know. good question. I do not have the answer to that. No, no, that's all right. I'm just... The difference between swinging or open relationship couples and polyamorous couples is that swingers and open couples maintain emotional monogamy, or they're supposed to. Gotcha. <laughs> While engaging in extra sexual relations. So they have no emotional connection to the people that they're having adult aerobics with. Right. Mm-hmm. Poly couples engage in emotional intimacy and build relationships with all their partners. Huh. So they're actually trying to do what we would do only with multiple people. Yes. How Which, do you how do you have time to do that? And yeah. how do you separate like you almost have to compartmentalize different lives? You have to be really good at time management. That's fascinating. I know. I told you that's going to be. I don't know how you do really that. Really interesting. I don't know how either. do people have so much damn time. I don't know. All right, it kind of pisses me off because <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something because I don't know how people have so much time. And I don't money. know. Do are there people out there that pay for an extra hour every day? They must. Can you fill us in on that, please? They they must. Yeah. All right. So what's the difference between polyamory? And polygamy, because you obviously have all these shows about polygamous, you know. Oh, yes. Okay. Good question. All right. And I have an answer. Good. Okay. So polyamory is that anybody in these intimate emotional relationships can date other people. Whereas when you're in polygamy, you have one man who has an emotional and intimate connection with other women, but the other women cannot have emotional or physical relationships with other people. Or each other. Or each other. Right. They just have that one man, and that one man has, you know, five women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And polyamory is not religious-based. Gotcha. Whereas polygamy Tip falls typically under, is, yeah. you know, their religion. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Doesn't matter. They can do whatever the hell they want. I don't care. So, I mean, hell, they made a TV show out of it, so. They did. They're not making a TV show out of our boring lives. No. Because <laughs> it's not our crazy. Our monogamous relationship. Yeah. Ugh, how boring. In 1955, after 43 years of marriage, John Knowles became very sick. After 10 months of illness, John Knowles passed away at the age of 76 in August of 1955. He had suffered tremendously with high blood pressure and what was believed to be an enlarged heart. Towards the end of his life, he was bedridden with horrible stomach pains, vomiting, and diarrhea. John Knowles died from natural causes. Huh. Okay. <laughs> That, does, that sounds like horrible natural causes. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, who was now 62, inherited a whopping 42 pounds from her husband's death. Damn. Which is around 1,130 pounds today, which is about $1,546 in U.S. currency. Oh, she made out. She did, didn't she? Yep. Mm-hmm. Five months after Knowles passed away... Mary married her longtime lover, John Russell, in January of 1956. A few months into their marriage, he took ill. After seven days, John Russell died of what doctors thought was a bronchial issue such as pneumonia. It was deemed natural causes. Mary inherited another 42 pounds from John Russell's death. She now had 84 pounds which is a little over $3,000 in today's U.S. currency. 
These guys didn't have much money. No, they did not. Dang. I mean, they were literally penniless. Mm-hmm. Pound, or poundless. Um, <laughs> they were poundless. The, uh, okay. I could see, like, if you're a woman and you have two guys, you have double the incomes. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it didn't really work out for her. Not or didn't really. seem like it. No. All right. I really didn't. In May of 1956, Mary met 75-year-old Oliver Leonard. Oliver was a retired estate agent. An estate agent is a person who arranges the selling, renting, or management of properties and buildings. Recently widowed, Oliver had been living with his sister and in hostels for the elderly. I didn't realize there were hostels for the elder, elderly. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oliver had recently become a tenant of a friend of Mary's. After meeting Oliver, Mary asked her friend, has that old bugger got any money? <laughs> to which her friend replied, <laughs> yes. Mary then asked, can I see him? Hell yeah. Oliver and Mary soon began dating. And on September 20th, 1956, 63-year-old Mary snatched herself a third husband. Within a day of marrying Oliver, Mary went to a local life insurance agent and tried to take out a policy on Oliver. But due to his age, she was unable to get one. There it is. Yep. Yep. Soon after, Oliver began experiencing chest pains. On October 1st, 1956, he went to his local doctor. Oliver was breathless and fatigued, which was strange because he had always been very healthy for his age. Oliver was prescribed cough syrup. That's what I take for everything. Cough syrup for chest pains. Yeah, even if I have a broken leg, cough syrup. Yeah, sounds uh, as long as it has codeine in it, it sounds great. Oh, my God. The, right. ne- the next day, Oliver's symptoms worsened. He began, having, he began having horrible stomach pains, vomiting, and diarrhea. Mary summoned the neighbors to their home. Oliver had fallen out of bed. After their neighbors had put Oliver back into bed, Mary gave a cup of tea to one of the neighbors to hand to Oliver. Oliver took one sip and spit out the liquid. He then knocked the teacup out of the neighbor's hand and it crashed to the floor. Why did Mary hand the cup to the neighbor to give to Oliver? Had Oliver stopped drinking what Mary was giving him herself? I'm going to go with yes. (laughs) My answer is yes. (laughs) By 6 a.m. the next morning, October 3rd, Oliver had fallen out of bed again. And Mary called over another set of neighbors. This neighbor told Mary that Oliver was dying and she needed to call his doctor. Mary waited a few more hours before calling for help. Oh, my God. Oliver was dead by the time his doctor arrived by noon, a mere 13 days after marrying Mary. They were married for 13 days. 13 days. Mm -hmm. That's rough. It was believed that Oliver had died of rapid degeneration of the heart muscles. <laughs> okay. Sure. Mm. Mary inherited 50 pounds. Oliver had left his estate to his son. Oh. <laughs> if you are keeping tabs, Mary has inherited a whopping 134 pounds which is 3,431 pounds today, which is $4,695 in U.S. currency. She's not very good at this. She's um, not. She keeps picking the wrong ones. Yeah. And then my question was, was Oliver continually throwing himself out of bed to get away from Mary? I was going to say that. He's like, I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Even I, if I, I got to claw my way away. Yeah, I picture this poor guy throwing himself out of bed, trying to get away from this crazy woman who's making him drink things. After Oliver died, Mary moved out of his house and rented a bungalow from a 76-year-old man named Ernest Wilson. Ernest was a retired engineer and was also recently widowed. He became smitten with Mary 
Almost a year into dating, Ernest wanted to get married. He told Mary that he had security, a nice house, and a hefty life insurance policy. Oh, my gosh. He like gave, he's like, here's my dowry. He didn't want to ask about her previous three husbands? I guess not. Or maybe he doesn't know. Um, I think he knows. Mary agreed to become the newest Mrs. Wilson. A couple days before the wedding, Ernest and Mary went to the local registrar's office. While applying for a marriage license, Mary said to the registrar, there should be a discount for me. (laughs) (laughs) To which Ernest laughed. (laughs) He laughed at that, which I kind of feel like is something I would say. (laughs) I would say she's pretty bad luck, if not if not much, much worse. Yeah, it's right? like the kiss of death. Okay, at that age, why even bother getting married? I don't know. Just live in sin. Who cares? And, okay, this is in the 50s? 50s. Late 50s? The late 50s. Okay, so life expectancy in the late 50s. If he's already in his 70s, right. he's doing pretty good. He's doing great. Right? Yes, he's doing great. So he's already up there. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have that long to live statistically. So why even bother getting married? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he wanted to get married. On October 28th, 1957, Ernest and Mary were married. Of course they They were. They had a small wedding, but a big party at the local hotel. Everyone was eating, drinking some fine spirits, and dancing along while Ernest played the piano. A friend looked around the food table and said to Mary... What are you going to do with all the leftover food? Mary replied, save it for the funeral. Ernest overheard and laughed again. (laughs) Okay, I would totally say that. I would 100% say that just joking. Yeah, I I guess so. I feel it in my gut like I would say that. (laughs) Ernest, run away. Yeah. Run away. Run, bunny. Ernest just laughed. He thought it was he hilarious. He wanted to believe that this young, hot chick <laughs> wanted his old-ass, wrinkly body. Right. His old, saggy butt. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Poor guy. By November 11th, a mere 14 days after the wedding, Ernest had asked Mary to call his doctor. Ernest had been having horrible chest pains for the last few days. Ernest's doctor had been his physician for over 20 years and couldn't understand how this virile and healthy man had declined so quickly. It's like a pattern. Yeah, crazy, (laughs) wicked pattern. There was nothing much that his doctor could do for him but make him comfortable and come back the next day to check on him. Later that day, Mary decided it was a good idea to stay the night at the neighbor's. We're going back to the beginning. Okay. Okay. Many believe that Ernest was already dead on that kitchen table when Mary left for the evening. Ernest's death was believed to have been caused by a cardiomuscular failure, known now as cardiomyopathy. Did I say that right? Yep. Cardiomyopathy is a diagnosis for any disease of the heart muscle in which the heart loses its ability to pump blood effectively. Yeah, that's um, probably pretty important. I'd say so. Yeah. Friends and neighbors began chatting about Mary's strange behavior and her off-putting remarks made to the registrar and guests attending the wedding of she and Ernest. Mary had even stated to the undertaker that she deserved a discount since she had brought him so much business over the last couple years. (laughs) This woman, (laughs) she... Isn't that called like a black widow? What are they called? Yes, Called Black Widows. Okay. Mm -hmm. She was just so snarky and like just didn't even care. A few people even went as far as to phone the local police and voice their concerns. Soon after the funeral, to which Mary did not attend, an investigation had opened. Investigators ordered that the bodies of Oliver Leonard and Ernest Wilson, husbands number three and four, be exhumed. The local medical examiner found traces of white phosphorus in both bodies. Oh, jeez. 
Phosphorus in the 1950s could be found in medications for depression, exhaustion, pneumonia, and impotence. Nice. It was also found in poisons, specifically in rat, beetle, and cockroach bait, found on the shelves of your neighborhood market. Even after being dead for over a year, one eightieth of a grain of phosphorus was found in Oliver's stomach, and one twentieth of a grain found in his intestines. One thirtieth of a grain was found in Ernest's stomach, and one one hundredth of a grain was found in his intestines. Dang. You know what else was found in their bodies? What? Wheat bran. Which just happens to be one of the three ingredients found in the rat, beetle, and cockroach poison. Oh, I thought you meant he was eating it with a cereal. No. I think that's what gets the vermin to eat it. Gotcha. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Along with white, it's actually yellow in color, so I don't know why it's called white phosphorus. So what was found was white phosphorus, but it's yellow in color. Gotcha. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Mary Wilson was brought in for questioning. She was interviewed for six hours. Mary denied having anything to do with Oliver and Ernest's deaths. Mary also said that she was the only person who cooked for them. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, December 11th, 1957, Mary was placed under arrest for the murder of Ernest Wilson. A reporter asked for a comment as Mary was being led away in handcuffs, and she said, I have nothing to say at this stage. (laughs) I kind of wish she would have had a more snarky comment, but, you know, I'll take that. The trial for the murders of Oliver Leonard and Ernest Wilson began on March 24th, 1958. Mary pled not guilty. It was a jury of nine men and three women. So they added Oliver to... To the list of murders? Yeah. That's what she was on trial for, was oh. for Oliver and Ernest. Right, for two right. double but murder. she was arrested originally just for Ernest. Gotcha. And then they added Oliver to that. Okay. Mary's defense claimed that Oliver and Ernest died from taking too many sexual enhancement or stimulant drugs, <laughs> also known as love pills. Nice. Mm. Both men were impotent. And use the drugs as a way to still get it on. I didn't know that they had that back then. I didn't either until I read this case. Huh. And then all that goes through my head is, let's get it on. Yeah. That's probably where it came from. From this case? No. Oh. (laughs) That song. Was from somebody saying, let's get it on. It's from an ad from the 50s advertising (laughs) the uh, 50s version of Viagra. Yeah. Mary did not take the stand in her own defense, but she did say, I like men and men like me. Oh, my God. The prosecution's case rested in the facts about white phosphorus, which is, again, yellow in color. Sure. White phosphorus is used in poison and not in medications. Any medication that uses phosphorus is not mixed with wheat bran, only poisonous. They even got a little dramatic. They took a love pill and crushed it up in front of the jury. It smelled like phosphorus, but it was not yellow in color, proving that the phosphorus ingested by the victims was the white phosphorus used in rat, beetle, and cockroach bait, and not the phosphorus found in the sexual stimulant medication. Nice. Mm, That was smart, huh? Yeah. They're like, now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have a pill. Yeah. And I'm going to crush it up and I'm going to prove to you that these men died from the bait. That's awesome. That was a great idea from the prosecuting attorneys. Very much was. Mm -hmm. Smart people out there. Mm -hmm. On March 29th, 1958, after an hour and 15 minutes of jury deliberation, Mary Elizabeth Cassidy Knowles Russell Leonard Wilson was found guilty of the murder of her husbands, Oliver Leonard and Ernest Wilson. Mary was sentenced to death by hanging. Her execution date was for June 4th, 1958 
at 9 a.m. at Durham Prison. Hanging. Hanging in nice. 1958. Wowzers. Yes. Due to her old age, her sentence was commuted to life in prison. Oh, okay. And actually, she's the last woman in England to ever be sentenced to death. Really? Yeah. Fun fact. And hanging. And hanging. Yes. They knew exactly the date, the time, where it was going to happen. They were like, let's take her. Let's take her to the gallows. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, she got out of it because she was old. (laughs) After four years behind bars, Mary died December 5th, 1962 at Holloway Women's Prison in London. She was 69 years old. Mary maintained her innocence till the day she died. Wow. Mm-hmm. You ready for a fun fact? I am. During the trial, Mary's first and second husband's bodies were exhumed. John Knowles and John Russell were both found to have high amounts of white phosphorus and wheat bran in their systems. There was no need for a second trial since she was already sentenced to life. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So they could have, but there was really no point. There was absolutely no point. Yeah. Gotcha. Mary is considered a serial killer, a.k.a. a black widow. There it is. Yep. The definition of a serial killer is a person or persons who murder at least two people in separate events occurring at different times. A black widow is defined as a woman who kills her husband or lover, especially one who kills multiple husbands or lovers. Nice. If Mary did indeed murder her four husbands and the motive was for financial gain, they were killed for less than 4,000 pounds, which is less than $5,000 in today's currency. That's it. That does not seem like worthwhile to me. Yeah, that's nothing. That's a trip to Disney World. No, it's not. (laughs) Death, you don't eat. That's staying in a bad hotel. Dang. Yeah. So she... Go ahead. So she went from living a polyamory lifestyle Mm -hmm. to then becoming a black widow and then finally creating a historical event, which is uh, the final hung jury because they sentenced her to hanging. Yes. And she did that all in two years. Man, she's good. Yeah. I mean, you remember when we were talking about polyamory, they needed good time management. Right. I mean, she just, she had great time management. She is very efficient. She is extremely efficient. She did what would probably take me 10 years. She did it in two years. Yep. She had to hurry up and do it. Because she didn't have a lot of spare time. Right. That's what I meant. Right. Are you ready for another fun fact? Yes. Mary's family wasn't told she had passed until their Christmas cards they had sent her were returned to sender with a note stating that the person you intended the card for has died. Wow. But didn't they know that she was in prison? They knew she was in prison and they sent her her Christmas cards because her family, um, most of them didn't think that she had done it. What? Mm -hmm. What the hell do they think happened? They died from heart issues. For? Yes. All from the same issue? Well, the second guy, John Russell, he died, they thought, from pneumonia. Okay. But they all had white phosphorus in their systems, like high amounts of white phosphorus in their systems. Man. So, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Come on. No. Yeah. And that is the tale of the Merry Widow of Windy Nook. Oh, my gosh. That needs to be like a movie or a book. Okay, there's another case that I want to do that the movie Arsenic and Old Lace is based on. Right. I kind of thought about that when you were saying this, like I'm picturing that movie. Yeah, I kind of thought that maybe you were thinking that. So I felt like I needed to tell people like this is Arsenic and Old Lace is not based on this case. It's based on another case. I was waiting for the the actual what the poison was because this wasn't arsenic. This was not arsenic. Yeah. And that's in the title of the movie. Right. Okay. There you go. What did you think of my case? That's insane. (laughs) As most of them are, but this one's extra insane. I had said in one of our first episodes that I wasn't going to do serial killers, but I mean, that's kind of fit within our box. So. Yeah. So she just kept rotating out men. Yes. But she's stupid because she never got any money from them. No. 
but her it seemed like her intent was to get money out of them and she failed miserably. It seems like that because I think she really thought she was going to get a lot of money out of the Oliver Leonard marriage, but she couldn't get a life insurance policy on him and he never changed his will. So his son got his estate. She right. didn't. Yeah, wouldn't you think you would do a little more uh, research Yeah, before you jumped into getting married? Right. Like kind of lock that that down, make sure for 100% sure you're going to make out like a bandit. Yeah, go see the life insurance guy before you get married. Yeah. That's what I would have done. I did want to talk about the victims because being poisoned to death by phosphorus is a horrible, horrible way to die. And I can't even imagine what these men went through. And they were legitimately in love with her. Yeah, that's what's crazy. They loved this woman and she murdered them. It's just they loved her so much. They were willing to share her with another guy. Yes, her original husband. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Initially, there was the two and then she brought in the second guy and they were both okay with that. All right. Not for me. No, not for me either. I don't feel inclined to live a polyamorous life. Um, I'm not good with time management. No. I'm really weird about getting strep throat or mono. Do you think they did? No. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are called the kissing viruses. Yeah. You think they kissed a lot? I think if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you kiss a lot. I guess With different people. That's weird. (laughs) That's so weird. I don't think it's weird. I think people are drawn to do that. Or they just need to share their love. They just want to love multiple people at the same time, which good for you. Spread the love. We need to spread the love right now. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed my case (laughs) on the Black Widow of Windy Nook. The polyamorous Black Widow. The polyamorous. Yes. And if you have any questions about polyamory, just look it up. There's tons of articles about it and lots and lots of people are living this lifestyle. So... I don't know. So just keep that in mind when you're walking up and down the aisles at the grocery store, you're probably passing one. Yes. But if they have a pineapple, that is not polyamory. Nope. Nope. That is called swinging. I wonder what the polyamorous fruit is. (laughs) (laughs) A peach. Is Is that a peach? It's a peach. It needs to be something like sweet and have a little bit of texture Needs a pit. Yeah. You know, smells good. I don't know. I picture a peach as the polyamory. Fuzzy fruit. on the outside and hard in the inside. on the inside. All right. Sure. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All this right. has gone on for a long time. All right. Thanks for listening. I enjoyed it. I think that's an awesome story. And if you want to get a hold of us, Instagram seems to be the best way to get a hold of us. Yep. Be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Peace. <laughs> Peace be with you. <laughs>